People who have fear do not look forward to the return of Jesus Christ. They have no hope. Paul talks about this situation in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. He said, But we would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning those who are asleep, that means dead, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. It's significant that in pagan religions people do not have hope, and they mourn over the death of a friend. There's a striking difference between the inscriptions on those magnificent heathen tombs and those on the poor graves of the catacombs. Listen to this statement by Leon Morris, a New Testament commentator. On the one hand, there is a dreary wail of despair, the effect of which is only heightened by the pomp of outward splendor from which it issues. On the other... The exulting psalm of hope, shining more brightly in all ill-written, ill-spelt records amidst darkness of subterranean caverns. He's talking about those catacombs. There was joy on those who believed in Jesus Christ, and even though they died and were hunted and persecuted, they wrote their feelings. They had hope. Christians, of course before they believed in Jesus Christ, didn't have any hope either. They had fear. Paul described the condition of the Ephesian Christians in chapter 2, verse 11. He said, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near in the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. That's a joyful message, but it shows where they came from. And all men have fear until they have a reason to have hope. Now, in verse 14 of 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul writes, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Paul's reason for hope, then, is that since Jesus died and rose again, that means those who believe in him, though they die, they will rise again. This is all explained in more detail, of course, in Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians in chapter 15. Beginning with verse 20, he wrote, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all en enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. 
That instruction must have been very comforting to the Corinthians because they were confused about this matter of the resurrection and some of the Corinthians, even though they believed that Jesus Christ had died and rose again, they didn't see how that was possible for a mortal such as we are and sinners such as we are to do the same thing. And so Paul wants to reinforce that teaching that since Christ died for us, he purchased new life for us, and the resurrection of the believer is assured. So there is great hope and great joy. It reminds us of what Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. That's real hope. Now, Paul tells them here that it's through Jesus that the dead will be brought back. It's God who's going to do this because of what Jesus Christ has done on their behalf. He paid for their sin. He met the demands of the law. There's nothing else required. God is free to forgive and God is free to raise the dead because the penalty for the dead has been paid. In verse 15, Paul writes, For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord. He wants to emphasize that he is speaking not by his own authority, but by the, the authority of God by the word of the Lord, and here it comes, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. Precede them where? Well, up into heaven is what the context tells us, and apparently this was expressed to comfort those who thought that those who are alive would go on to be with the Lord in heaven and the dead would remain in their graves perhaps awaiting a judgment unlike the living at the appearance of Jesus Christ. Verse 15 then is instruction that dead believers are at no disadvantage when Christ returns. And this seems to have been a problem there. Paul writes that we who are alive... Some say it suggests Paul's expectancy that Jesus would come in his lifetime. Not necessarily so. The word we refers to the living people, not necessarily to Paul himself. In regard to verse 15, we are fortunate today to have so many up-to-date translations. Listen to the 1611 version, commonly called the King James Version of verse 15. It's confusing. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Prevent is one of those words which has changed meaning greatly. There are over 500 important words in the New Testament that have changed in meaning since 1611. People who lived three or four hundred years ago certainly understood what the King James meant, but those words no longer mean what they meant then, 
Therefore, we ought to be reading our new translations because God has a message here for Christians. He wants us to understand. Some people want to hold on to the King James Version just because it's been a tradition. Well, there are traditions which are good. Those are traditions which are based on biblical truth. But to use a language which is three to four hundred years old and which is not spoken today and not fully understood is not a good tradition to be hanging on to. If we do, we miss God's truth, and that certainly has been the case. And so in verse 15, the old English word prevent means precede. Now in verse 16, Paul writes, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. A major question answered here is, when will the dead in Christ be raised? Well, they're going to be raised first, according to this passage. Now, it tells us here, the Lord himself, speaking of Jesus, the Christ, will descend from heaven. Now, Paul here acknowledges that's where he is. He's not dead. He's not in the grave. He's in heaven. And so he's going to return in victory with a cry of command. Now, where is heaven? When Paul says the Lord himself will descend, he's giving us a general direction. Now, where heaven is, we don't really know, but the biblical writers always refer to it as above. And someone might question what we mean by above. Well, it's always in reference to man on the earth. Even though we live on a globe that is spinning there in space, we get the idea from Acts chapter 1 that heaven is above where we have the ascension of Jesus Christ in chapter 1 of the book of Acts, verse 9. It says, And when he had said this, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So based on that, we have heaven being up in reference to the earth. And Jesus is in heaven throughout the New Testament. We read that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, which is the place of honor, waiting until his enemies be made his footstool. So his time in heaven is temporary, just as his life on earth was temporary. God has a program, and Jesus will not return until the timetable is fulfilled. Then there will be this cry of command, which Paul writes about here in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. This verse gives us the most complete description of what is going to happen to believers when Christ does come back. Now, I call your attention to verse 16 again. It says, The Lord himself will descend from heaven. This excludes the possibility of there simply being the Spirit returning. 
There are people today who say Christ has returned already. He comes when you believe. He comes to live in your hearts. Well, while that may be true, that's not what the Bible teaches when it talks about the return of Jesus Christ. It refers instead to his bodily return. And so, with the best language Paul could use, he says, the Lord himself shall return. When Jesus Christ does descend from heaven, the verse tells us that there will be three distinct sounds. Perhaps all of them express the same thing in different terms, but it tells us there will be a cry of command, there will be the archangel's call, and there will be the sound of the trumpet of God. And when that sound permeates the earth, the dead in Christ will rise first. We are going to examine those three statements in our lesson tomorrow. I hope you'll join me here. Have you heard of our course on understanding the New Testament? It's an exciting course unmatched in providing biblical understanding. People who've experienced just the first of the ten tapes in this course have said, Why haven't I heard this kind of teaching in church? Well, this course is a biblical treat. You'll hear the Christian faith presented as never before and with clarity, and we think it will change your orientation both to God and to the Bible. Write for information about understanding the New Testament to the Radio Bible Course. Ask for our list of teaching tapes. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.com.